Welcome back to the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast, except, of course, this is not the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. Instead, today, you are going to be treated to the premiere of the R-Squared Fantasy Football Podcast, which is going to be a new weekly podcast that is going to cover metrics that matter in a recap format from the prior week to get you ready for the next week. And it is going to be actually not hosted by me at all. It's going to be hosted by Ian at under or at dynasty underscore I am and a cash at YZR underscore fantasy on Twitter. These guys are fantasy football geniuses in my opinion, and they are new analysts with bulletproof fantasy football. They are helping in the Patreon. These guys do not wear capes, but they are heroes nonetheless. And I'm really excited for what they are going to be bringing on a weekly basis to the airwaves. So without further ado, the R squared fantasy football podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to the R Squared Fantasy Football Podcast, where we look at metrics that 90% of people don't look at to help you win your fantasy football leagues. I'm Akash, you can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. And I'm Ian Miller, and you can find me at Dynasty underscore IM on Twitter. We look at this kind of stuff all the time, looking beyond the box scores, looking at under the surface metrics that are predictive to help you get an edge on your league mates. So just dive right in into this, start with the Washington football team game. Uh, nothing new from Terry McLaurin, who had a 32% target share and... 11 catches, 107 yards, a touchdown. Antonio Gibson had some people freaking out on fantasy football Twitter, but he had 60% ops. And outside of the two minute drill, he had 88% of the ops. So if he wants to be a workhorse, he'd have to capture some of those inside the two minute drill opportunity. But JD McKissick is making his mark there. He had 80% of his opportunities within the two minute drill. Taylor Heineke had a good game. 74% completion rate, 336 yards, two touchdowns. I'm not expecting this to be a trend for Heineke. It's definitely a good game, though. Logan Thomas had a fine game, 16% target share, but had a touchdown sniped by Ricky Seals-Jones and Deami Brown. He was on the field a lot. He had the second most snaps out of Washington wide receivers, but he didn't make much of a mark with only 14% target share. Uh, Yeah, so the Washington football team, J.D. McKissick, is kind of the story of the game that he took over over that two-minute drill, which goes to show that those targets are worth a lot more than those rushes that you're going to get in the first first part of the half. The Right before that two-minute drill, three-minute offense goes in is when all the targets get in. So a lot more targets to the running back get in. So when Antonio Gibson subbed out, that's where the upside's limited because you're not getting those extra targets, which is where you're getting J.D. McKissick-type targets, which goes to show that his, his type of running back prowess where they're receiving back is a lot more valuable than a guy who's just going to rush a lot. There was also like Akash hit on Terry McLaurin balled this game and just showed that why he's a top 10 dynasty receiver with over a 30% target share and something that you're probably going to see a few more games of Terry McLaurin going above a 30% target share. So don't sleep on that kind of guy. And then the last thing I got on Washington is Antonio Gibson's usage was, it was still pretty good. It's not something I'd be freaking out about because JD McKissick has 
the end of the two minute drill because you're still getting a 10 plus target share of Antonio Gibson. He still took like 80 plus percent of the rushing yards market share this game. So it's not something you should freak out about. It does suck that who knows if he's going to get the end of the two minutes or if he's going to, but yeah, don't, don't freak out about it. Yeah, definitely. If you thought he was going to turn into Christian McCaffrey, you've already lost, but this is fine. If you had more reasonable expectations, moving on to the New York Giants game, Daniel Jones had the best game of his career career going off pff passing grades i didn't expect uh daniel jones to suddenly turn into josh allen or something but he's had a couple of good games and, and some solid production on the ground definitely want to see more from him because if i had to pick i'd still say that he's bad relatively but this is encouraging for a guy who i thought was pretty much almost gonna get replaced next year saquon barkley's um, box score and fantasy points wasn't that impressive but He's back to playing the majority of snaps. He has a longer week, and I think he can explode. We already know he's a good player. You shouldn't be doubting that. Sterling Shepard, seeing a lot of targets, low ADOT, some sneaky values, some desperate weekly start uh, value, but he's uh, 28 years old, and I'd be surprised if he's turning into prime Jarvis Landry at 28 years old. Yeah, you kind of hit it there. Saquon is still Saquon. He's starting to get that usage already. He's just under 10% target share. Devontae Booker's not eating anything out of that backfield from Saquon. It's just that return from injury that's just hindering him a little bit to start. It's definitely some. If someone's freaking out in your league, go go buy him right now. Um, but the, the more interesting thing about this game was how for the second straight week, it looks like Sterling Shepard is somehow the off alpha in this offense despite them paying a lot of money to Kenny Galladay but that is something that wasn't totally unpredictable Kenny Galladay still came out with a 25% target share because it was pretty funneled between uh just three guys just Slayton Shepard and Kenny Galladay but thing with Kenny Galladay is he's gonna sit around a 19% target share it's just freaky because he's going by in Sterling Shepard and we haven't seen Evan Ingram back in this offense and we know that Evan Ingram's probably also going to bring back a 20% target share so it's kind of odd man out for Slayton and if you're Kenny Galladay I mean it's not looking great yeah definitely agree there it's something interesting for Dynasty to monitor. Kadarius Tony's barely playing, and when he is playing, he's barely getting anything. Just something to monitor. His value is already pretty low in most formats, especially in Dynasty. People are already pretty out on him, but it just looks like his value is going to keep going down. Moving on to the uh, Washington to the New England Patriots game. Mondre Stevenson was actually inactive for this game. I'm pretty sure he had the fumble in week one. The coach decided to bench him. I'm pretty sure he was a healthy scratch, right? Yeah, he was a healthy scratch. Damian Harris, he had that good touchdown run, which was an amazing highlight, but he only played 41 percent of snaps he obviously dominated the rushing opportunities but james white played more snaps at 50 percent he's kind of a target hog himself he had a 21 percent target share played 50 percent of snaps as i said seven targets after seeing he had six targets after seeing seven the week before so he's like a zero rb hallelujah pretty much i think you can get weekly or like rb2 value out of him the way you could when Brady was there. Mac loves checking down to running backs. Definitely something to uh, consider when you're making running back decisions. Yeah, James White is just in the, the same realm of J.D. McKissick where they're going to eat a lot of the targets. And right now, James White on the season sitting at just under a 20% target share. And he's just that last week coming off an 18.5 PPR performance thanks to a touchdown he had. But it's one of those things where you can have weekly performances like this because Mac Jones, his average depth of targets four yards. He's going to James White a lot. They use James White in all the passing situations. 
Um, so he's the guy to own. It's not Damian Harris. If you could trade Damian Harris for James White, absolutely do it. Um, and then the other part for what it's worth, Jacoby's probably going to be the wide receiver one on this team. I don't see anyone else taking him. The closest one to the amount of targets that Jacoby has through two weeks is James White. So Jacoby's going to eat, but this this passing offense doesn't look too high powered. So for what it's worth, he'll be the wide receiver on the one on this team. It's probably a back end wide receiver two, wide receiver three if things aren't a little more high paced in New England. Yeah, definitely. It's just uh out of the out of the tight ends there, Janu and Hunter Henry, pretty much in a full split. Both are occasionally blocking, sometimes lining up where you want them for fantasy in the slot or out wide. But Jacoby's the guy to own there out of the receivers. And this offense, not throwing deep a lot and not throwing, they're not throwing deep a lot. It doesn't really lend itself to a lot of fantasy goodness, so to speak. Moving on to the New York Jets, Zach Wilson had a horrible game against the Patriots, but the Patriots defense has been notoriously good against rookie quarterbacks going back 20 years on the season. He's 31 out of 33 quarterbacks in completion percentage over expected, which is definitely not good, but he's had a, he had a bad matchup, had a couple bad matchups. Ty Johnson, Michael Carter playing pretty much the same amount of snaps, pretty much the same amount of carries. If I had to pick one, I would pick Michael Carter because he's has a has a higher ceiling and is a floor with the pass catching work there there's no tight ends worth caring about there Corey davis had a bad game but it was a bad game for the whole offense i'd expect a bounce back for the alpha in that offense and elijah moore making some strides towards fantasy relevance maybe definitely a better game than week one yeah you pretty much hit everything there um rest in peace denzel mims is kind of the biggest fantasy takeaway you can take from the jets this weekend um it wasn't one you wanted to remember if you're Tavon coleman you're probably done you got the two younger guys that are owning the large percentage of the share and he's not really doing much other than that so it, like you said you're probably going to want to take carter because he has some pass catching work but at the same time you probably don't want any of these jets running backs we don't know if it's good offense and what we also know is that none of these backfield players for the jets are actually good and that's what matters a lot more in fantasy than being the number one on your team is if you're actually good. Definitely agree. Got to move on real quickly to the Denver Broncos. Right now, Teddy Bridgewater is playing out of his mind. He's third in EPA per play, second in completion percentage over expected per play, and second in air yards per attempt. So Teddy Bridgewater, late career turning into a gunslinger, definitely want to see more from him since this bucks the trend of basically his entire career but this can lend itself to being fantasy relevant if he keeps it up 258 air yards in week two for Cortland Sutton he's the air yards king of the week also a 35% target share which lent itself to a massive game for him he looks 100% back from injury and he's, he's a good wide receiver too from this point on especially if Teddy Bridgewater keeps playing his heart out the way he is now Javante Javante Williams Melvin Gordon are pretty much splitting on carries and snaps but Melvin has a slight edge in snaps I think Javante is a really good prospect he can explode any week now it's really just a matter of waiting and see where when he can take over the backfield because eventually they should phase Melvin Gordon out yeah and I'll actually one-up you a little bit more on Corlin Sutton I think you're looking at a high-end wide receiver too maybe back end wide receiver one with judy out he's gonna eat even more targets than he was so probably he could be around that 24 percent target share which i mean as long as he's healthy it's fine his second year he exploded 24 plus percent target share um they also have fant there who for some weird reason actually collected a higher percentage of the targets in week one than week two and it looked like it was just him and Sutton out there but 
likely won't hold. I'd be grabbing Fant if you can get him at any sort of discount because what his pro- prospect profile says is that he's going to be good anytime now. He's going to be really good. And yeah. then as far as Javante, the only thing that's worrying me with him, because he looks really good out of the backfield, as you alluded to with the evaded tackles, is we just need to see some receiving usage because, mm-hmm. like, we know that's what makes a running back good in fantasy. So, but yeah, Javante Williams is good. Bad. It wasn't, you know, it obviously wasn't spectacular but it was definitely good for him and if he can get that he can be a, he can be a good for fantasy in ways that he just can't be if he doesn't have that receiving usage but every, you know, everyone knows that moving on to the jacksonville jaguars what a mess i'm hating urban meyer a lot right now trevor lawrence is throwing the deepest in the league right now with 10.4 air yards per attempt but he's dead last in completion percentage over expected so he's throwing deep, but he's not doing it, which means there's a lot of potential for this offense. If if Trevor Lawrence can figure things out, this can be a really big offense for fantasy. James Robinson taking back more of the running back opportunities. He had 74% of the running back opportunities as well as 73% of the snaps. Marvin Jones was the alpha last week, but they're kind of alternating who's the alpha every single week. And LaVisca Chenault, I was expecting a lot more from him. Just looking at the box score, it's pretty bad, but he's still seeing around a 20% target share, so I'd hold. Because if this offense can figure itself out, he can have some fantasy relevance. Yeah, and Visca's not being used in a role that's downfield, which is, like you said, that Trevor Lawrence is, has the deepest average depth target for um, a quarterback right now, which doesn't fit into what Visca's doing, which is still surprising for him to have a 20% target share. So I'm definitely holding. Um, I think better days are ahead for LaVisca and well, they are because they've been really bad. Um, as far as the rest of Jacksonville, it looks like Alpha Marvin uh, Jones right now. And then don't stress on good quarterback or good prospect quarterbacks having a bad few games. I mean, there's so many you can point to who are such good prospects. Number one overall, who weren't doing this, Peyton Man or were doing this, and Peyton Manning. Um, so don't don't stress out over Trevor Lawrence having some bad games with what's likely a really bad coach. So buy Trevor Lawrence if that's what I'm doing, if he's available anywhere. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Buffalo Bills game right now. Uh, Josh Allen is, he's fine. He's at negative 2.5 completion percentage over expected. 29th on the season in that he's throwing a lot though and throwing deep he has he had 314 attempted air yards last week and had a 9.5 air yards per attempt so if he can go back to 2020 josh allen go back to he'll go back to being a good fantasy qb moss after being a healthy scratch in week one comes back but singletary still has most of the opportunities most of the snaps and he's the running back to own there especially because in addition to having more of the work he also has the yeah he's also the receiving back there so lends himself to more upside there in confusing backfield you always want to grab the receiving back because they have higher upside and higher floor Diggs is still the alpha but i think Manuel sanders is the second option there he had a high uh percentage of their air yards one of these games he's gonna have a big game and people are gonna say i thought emmanuel sanders was dust he's like 40 years old i didn't see that coming and we're gonna go like well we saw that coming because we looked at these stats people that listen look listen to us looking at these stats so emmanuel sanders something to keep an eye on because he's not dust he's getting a lot of deep targets which lends itself to making a big splash play here or there which can be usable for fantasy yeah I think this is probably Devin Singletary's backfield. He's dominated the work uh, in the backfield, uh, rushing as well as receiving. And we just saw that Zach Moss was a healthy scratch. And not just that, we can look back and Devin Singletary wasn't that bad. 
his uh, first year in the league. As a third-round pick, people were comparing Clyde Edwards-Alaire to what he did his first year, and I don't think that's a bad thing for Devin Singletary, considering how cheap he is and how bad it looks that Zach Moss is. So I think sitting around like 8 to 11% target share for a back that's at least going to get some work in the backfield, let alone a good amount of it. He's definitely someone you should buy as a deep bench piece. Um, and then Stephon Diggs, could, this could be a wide receiver one overall year for him. If the TD percentage goes up a little bit more, which we both know you can't predict, and his wasn't great last year, we could definitely be looking at Diggs having that wide receiver one overall year yeah just don't panic on this offense it's you know we know that Diggs and allen are good players and since we know they're good players from what we saw last year we can see a bounce back from them any week and it's not something to worry about in terms of in terms of them not having the production you expected them to have in these just couple of weeks that miami dolphins were held scoreless because partly because Tua tungle was hurt i think four passes into the game leaves the game early jacoby Brissett comes in and plays horribly but it doesn't have a huge impact because this whole offense has been pretty bad for fantasy over the last few weeks Miles Gaskin still checked down King. He had five targets last week, and five targets is a mark that he's hit in nine out of 12 of the games since the beginning of last year when he took over a bigger role. You know, I, he has a safe weekly floor, good weekly ceiling, and I'm not panicking on him at all, even though last week uh, Malcolm Brown and Salvin Ahmed had the same amount of carries. Uh, Brown had 80%. He had four of his five carries right at the, as the game was ending and Ahmed had three out of five of his carries right as the game was ending so Gaskin seeing the early work tells me that when they're not down by 35 points and want to just end the game right then and there Gaskin will go back to dominating the attempts for the running backs yeah I'll hit on the Gaskin point again he's he's just under a 15 percent target share and even if you're not taking really any of the rushing that's a target share that you look for for an RB2, like if we're looking at uh, J.D. McKissick or we're looking at Naheem Hines, like that's a target share that we don't mind on the week and we'll take it. So from Gaskin, if he starts getting a little bit more of the rushes, which he will once the game skip scripts flip a little bit, he's already eating from uh, the reception standpoint. So he's definitely not someone to panic about, which is probably a theme from the second week recap here is that you shouldn't be panicking too much with players that we've seen are good and they're not up to their full workload. Um, and then Will Fuller's back this week. He'll, I've heard he's officially back this Sunday. So for Jalen Waddle, who wasn't that good of a prospect, he has been doing well, 20% target share. So this week three is going to be really interesting to see Will Fuller get integrated into the offense. Devontae Parker's still eating a healthy share. He's still, he's still free production for your fantasy team. So it's going to be really interesting to see Waddle uh, in this week three. Yeah, I can't wait to see Fuller. I like him so much as a player. He's really talented. I think he's the best wide receiver there. But definitely want to see what he what Waddle does when Fuller's back. Because I think Fuller's just on a different level than Waddle. Like, Waddle's healing could be what Will Fuller is. At best, maybe Waddle turns into what Fuller is now. Yeah, I'm moving on to the San Francisco 49ers game. Debo Samuel still has the highest target share with a 27% target share last week. Not something that I really expect to continue just because we know the kind of players that Kittle and Ayuk are. Even if you don't like Ayuk and you think he's just done forever, you can at least admit to yourself that George Kittle is a really good player. 
and should eventually go go back to being the alpha in this offense. And the role that he's been used in has not been conducive to fantasy success at all. Last week, he had negative six air yards, which is absolutely horrible for a player who's as good as Kittle, who can really win anywhere, to only use him, I guess, on checkdowns or screens or whatever they wanted to do with him is not a way to use Wolf to use uh, George Kittle in a productive way. Yeah, I think to bounce a little bit further into a cautious point here, when you see good players that we've seen are going to be really good, and then you have an Atlantish uh, stat like negative six air yards for week two, you can imagine that a, a split of two games isn't going to look very good. Um, so don't ignore or don't, don't worry too much about two-game sample sizes when we know players are good like George Kittle. Um, and then the other point is... Man, what role are they using Debo? We just saw he had an A dot of two point something last year, and now they're using him more downfield. He's owning, he's got literally under a forty percent target share last year, which or these two weeks, which obviously won't hold. But it's definitely something that if Debo hits this year, we might be looking at an actually really good wide receiver. He was he was good his rookie year. It's just that A dot is what's sketchy for everyone. Yeah. and the IU club kind of put, I knew he was a good player in my wide receiver comps using post rookie season metrics. My, my wide receiver comps really, really liked him. They just liked IU so much more. And we already knew George Kittle was such a good player that I was fading Debo, even though he's a good player. But if he still stays in this role of being the wide receiver one, you're looking at a really good player. You could even say that he is what IU was supposed to be. Yeah, if they keep using him in this role, he could exactly be what we thought Ayuk was going to be this season. But I'm, don't buy too much into the it's all it's all done for Ayuk's done now that there's the two alphas in the offense. Because from what we know about Ayuk, he's still an alpha. Um, mm-hmm. He still ate like an alpha last year, and his comps that we've done are really good. So for him to be bad or this be a talent situation more than something with a hammy or maybe even a Kyle Shanahan situation, just, just by the talent, he's, he's starting to fade so much in dynasty. You should definitely, even if you didn't love Ayuk already, his value's low enough right now to where you can send someone with not too much high of an upside and a high floor that you're like, okay, yeah, I'll take, I'll take Ayuk ceiling for that price any day. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Like a guy like, Jalen Waddle. Yes. Sell Jaden sell Jalen Waddle for Brandon Ayuk right now. Please. And a plus, because I think uh Ayuk's around wide receiver twenty eight ish right now in dynasty value and, and Waddle's around the twenty ish range. So I think you get a good plus on that. And then these running backs, they're just a crazy situation where everyone's getting hurt. Eli Mitchell should be fine because he had a st- he had a, just a stinger, I believe, from what I've s- seen that He'll be okay next week. And Sermon in concussion protocol may be good, maybe not. But from what we saw from Sermon and his already bad profile, it's enough to say, like, yeah, this guy, this guy's probably not it. And last week, Elijah Mitchell had 61% of the snaps, and he had the majority of the opportunities. So if he's healthy, he's the guy. And if he's not healthy, maybe it's just a complete mess. Yeah, and Sermon is never someone you should pay up for. Um, his his value is still higher than the rest of these backs. And if there's one thing you don't want in a Kyle Shanahan offense without an actual bell cow, it's the most expensive running back, which is exactly what Trey Sermon is still. So yeah. with San Francisco, take your take your cheap shots with those running backs. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I added Jock Patrick. <laughs> 
in uh, Scott Fishbowl, which is not something I like admitting because it shows how bad my running backs really are, but it's something that I did. <laughs> Going on to the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Hurts, he looked good against Atlanta in week one, but last week he had a pretty, last week he had a pretty bad day, negative 5.6 completion percentage over expected. Rushing will always give him his good floor. You know, I'm not worried for redraft at all, but definitely don't be too high on Galen Hurts just looking at the box scores and the good fantasy points because he did do well in week one. I'm not denying that, but from what we saw from him last year and in a couple games this year, it's really only five and a half career games. It's a sample where you're still looking at him as a prospect being not a, not a very good college prospect and a second round pick plus his bad his bad rookie season from like a passing perspective it's enough to make me skeptical and not really like him long term yeah one thing that we do like out of the philadelphia side though is that miles sanders usage looks like what it's been plus a little bit more in the last two years he's he's gotten good usage just it hasn't been a good offense and i'm not saying this offense will be good but for how much of a discount miles sanders is this year compared to last year if you can get miles sanders because you need a running back for a second round pick i say do it um you know i i can't tell exactly what miles sanders uh value is off the top of my head but he's getting that 11 12 target share plus a little bit on some weeks and then you're also looking at eating most, like just about seven, 60 to 70% of those rushing yards. So that's one thing that we do like out of the Philadelphia offense. But other than that, Jalen Hurts, again, we don't have much of a sample, but from what we can tell, he's not a great passer, which for an offense with two betas, we don't know how exactly good this offense is going to be. So it's definitely an offense, unless you're just buying uh, Miles Sanders' usage, which is what I'm doing. That's probably the only piece I want out of there. Yeah, and speaking of two betas, Devonta Smith is eating out of those two betas. He's um, the best beta of them all, pretty much. And he had a 29% target share last week. I believe it was around 25 in week one. So he's seeing a good target share because he's really the best guy there, pretty much the beta, the, the best beta of them all, as I said. But he wasn't able to connect on a lot of targets last week with Hurts. It, it'll happen, you know. But definitely it's something that is worth monitoring going forward because he's seeing targets, he's seeing good volume. I'm fine with just holding right now. Yeah, and I'm not against Devontae Smith or anything. If, even if he's a little bit overvalued right now, he's still the best receiving option this team has. So it's just it's just amongst receiving options that we don't know how good the passing that's going to be there, how many touch, passing touchdowns are we going to see this year. So, yeah. And then... Kenny Gainwell, he'll have a role. He had 33% of snaps. Miles had 67. Boston Scott's pretty much not. He didn't play at all. So Gainwell's going to have a role. Good passing usage, sort of like how Nick Sirianni, who's now in uh, Philadelphia, how he used Naeem Hines in Indianapolis. Moving on to the LA Rams game, Cooper Cup. Another fantastic statistical day from a fantasy football perspective. But don't ignore Robert Woods, who played 98% of snaps after not playing all the snaps in week one. That was a little bit concerning, but he bounced back. He only had two less targets than Cooper Cup. He had pretty much the same amount of air yards. And so I really still think they're the same player from a production standpoint. It's just Cup's had these good couple games. But from 2019 to 2020, they both had pretty much identical production. Uh, that's what I'd expect going forward. So if you can 
do a little buy low on Robert Woods, I wouldn't hate it because you're getting good, like, wide receiver 15-ish numbers. And then Hen- Henderson, Daryl Henderson, was uh, had a good, really good share of the running back opportunities until he left the game with a rib injury. He should be fine from what I've seen, but if not, then Sonny Michelle steps into a solid role with Jake Funk behind him. Expect Sonny Michelle to have a good share of the opportunities the way that Henderson did before he left or with an injury, but it's definitely something to monitor for now. Tyler Higby had a good week one, but I'm really not a believer in his talent, and he had a pretty bad week two, and he went back to blocking on some of his snaps, which is not something that you want to see for fantasy. But Stafford is making this whole offense uh, a lot better, but he's not elite in any way, shape, or form, because he's 19th in completion percentage over expected, 17th in air yards per attempt. So he's, he's fine. He's better than Jared Goff, but this isn't making the offense elite or anything right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but go buy Robert Woods. A lot of people are freaking out about Robert Woods, but this is a guy who's been on pace and actually out-targeted Cooper Cup about every season that they played together. So um, even if Cooper Cup finishes the year just slightly higher, it's going to be slightly, which is the main point, because he's not going to finish with a 40% target share, and Robert Woods isn't going to be this much less than what Cooper Cup is. So by Robert Woods, he's had a low TD percentage his entire career. Maybe with Stafford we see more, but for right now you should be buying Robert Woods because he's good at football. Um, And then Michelle, like you said, I think even with Henderson, now that he's a little more integrated into the offense, we see a little bit more of a split, kind of like we did on week two a little bit more than we saw with week one, even though Hendo's a little banged up now. And uh, Jake uh, Funk is a good pickup because if he gets opportunity, you can sell opportunity. So uh, looking at the Colts, they had a much more concentrated pass game, and Michael Porter Jr. wasn't that bad, to be honest. Um, and then Jonathan Taylor's usage looked great. He saw in these first two weeks, he's seeing a lot of the receiving uh, work. I think he's around 15 16% target share right now which isn't isn't totally outrageous to see JT in for a decent chunk of this season, probably finish around 13 to 14, which I think was a lot of the undersold part of Jonathan Taylor being really good at football was he can do the pass-catching work that is required to make you a top-five running back in fantasy football. And Carson Wentz still isn't good at football, so there's that. Yeah, he's been pretty bad, and now he's hurt. Jacob Eason's probably worse. After Pittman's big game, expect more Michael Pittman Jr.-ish production from him coming down to earth as well as seeing a lot worse QB play. Next, we have the Las, An- Las Vegas uh, Raiders game. Carr has been better, has always been a solid QB in real life. Better than in fantasy, right? But he's passed a lot in these last couple games. That's what's really uh, contributing to his success. He's been fine in completion percentage over expected pretty average it's just the volume propping him up for now it's a question of whether they can sustain it if jacobs is hurt again i think he should be fine but i'm not sure but if jacobs is hurt again Kenyon drake vastly out uh snapped uh peyton barber 79 percent to 29 percent and he's a better pass catcher so out of the two He's the one you, you're going to want to see, even though they split rushing opportunities pretty equally. And Waller's the off of his offense, no denying that. Ruggs had that big play, but if you can sell on that big play, it's something you should take advantage of. But And I, I really could see Hunter Renfro being the second out option of this offense, but you're fighting to be 
the second option of a Derek Carr-led offense with Edwards and Ruggs. So it's it's fine. Brian Edwards for the second game in a row. I know he had some deep targets in week one, but for the second game in a row, he's the fourth or fifth option this offense. People are still hyping him up on on Twitter and liking what they could what he could possibly be, but I really don't think he hits what he could possibly be. And if you can still sell for a second, I think this is definitely something you should do because he is not being earning targets pretty much at all, pretty much like an eight percent target share over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Waller's the absolute alpha of this offense. He's he's at a twenty nine point two percent target share through two weeks with the receiving options of Brian Edwards, who's not good, who's sitting at nine percent, just hasn't been really relevant at all yet. And a barring touchdowns is what will make him actually somewhat relevant, which isn't something you want. Um, and it's the same thing for Henry Ruggs. When he gets that deep ball that, that is 60 plus yard touchdown, then yeah, you're going to have a lot of points on the week, but that's literally all you're relying on for Henry Ruggs, who also doesn't earn a lot of targets, but who does is Darren Waller. And when you're around those bad options and Josh Jacobs, who doesn't catch passes, you're going to eat a lot of the target share. So I think it's totally within realm of possibility to see him at that 28 to 30% target share, which is going to make this tight end one competition with Kelsey a lot of fun this year. Yeah, moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers games. Najee Harris still dominating running back opportunities. Even if you're not sold on the talent for Najee Harris, you have to like the opportunities, at least for the short term, because it'll lead to production pretty much no matter what. We know that little spoiler here, but we know running backs don't matter in reality. And I don't think that Najee Harris is at a level of RB talent to matter. And that running back success doesn't, running back success in fantasy doesn't rely on O line play, but efficiency in the, in reality for the NFL definitely does rely on scheme and offensive line. So if Najee continues to struggle pretty much, he's not making their running game any better because what they really needed to do was fix their offensive line. But if he continues to struggle, it's definitely something to monitor, but it's nothing to panic about right now because he's going to dominate opportunities for the whole year. Yeah, Najee's going to take all the volume in that putrid putrid backfield that the Pittsburgh Steelers have, but he's probably not going to be too efficient with it because he's no, he's not that great of a prospect. So, um, And then moving on to more weird things about the Steelers is that Deontay Johnson is still eating and still being the alpha despite being the most undersized wide receiver they have amongst some who are actually good at football. We we have suspicion to believe Claypool is good at football. We have suspicion to believe that Juju's good at football. But Deontay is still eating an alpha target share because he's also big good at football, even if, even though he's definitely a beta. He oh, he, he, he's good at football, but he's eating like an alpha amongst alphas that are actually also good at football. So yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah. weak, and it's a it's a be- Big Ben situation. So if Big Ben's gonna keep just chucking down and chucking down to Deontay, who's who's just eating at like right now, I think it's seven a dot or so. I don't have it on me, but as long as Big Ben's there, he's gonna eat a lot of shallow targets. So this is this is another year to own Deontay Johnson, and after that in Dynasty, I I don't know how much farther I can speak. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He was uh, a little hurt um, at the end of the game on a totally useless play, which I hate for to see for him because I love him as a player. But he avoided a major injury, and there really hasn't been a lot of word on, uh, other than that he avoided a major injury. Something to monitor because if he misses time, 
Juju steps pretty much right in with another low eight out roll. Could also be peppered targets the way that Ben loves to do it, I guess. And then for Chase Claypool, right now his eight out something crazy like eighteen point one. But him and Ben just aren't connecting on a lot of deep targets. He has fourteen targets over the last couple games, only caught six of them. He'll bounce back. He'll catch some deep targets. One of maybe one of the deep targets will be in the end zone. He reminds people who he really is. It's nothing to panic about. And if people are panicking, he's a buy in dynasty because we know the talent that he has from that great rookie season and the fact that he's an alpha. So if he, if people are actually panicking off of a couple of bad games to start 2021, Claypool's definitely a buy. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, moving on to this New Orleans-Carolina game. Uh, this one was actually pretty straightforward to me. And one of the my biggest takeaway from it is that you should be buying Michael Thomas right now. Well, while he's still hurt, while he's still not worth much because Alvin Kamara is the alpha of the receiving game amongst a bunch of options who aren't good. Marquez Callaway's sitting at like 14.6% target share. And that's that's probably what we'll see out of him. So yeah, you overpaid for Marquez Callaway. But imagine what it's gonna look like when Michael Thomas is in offense. Probably worse. 2019. So Michael Thomas is just gonna eat exactly like he has in his entire career. Uh, as long as he's out, Kamara's still gonna be the alpha in the receiving game, which is true for the other running back in this game, Christian McCaffrey, who because he catches so many passes. His weekly floor is outrageous. He actually got a touchdown this game, but even without it, you're still looking at like a 20-point performance. Uh And DJ Moore got in the end zone, which is something that I heard he wouldn't do because he's not good at scoring touchdowns. Don't don't ever fade a player for not scoring touchdowns, especially if that player is repeatedly top 10 in yards because eventually touchdowns catch up with yards. That's just how it works. He had a 31% target share this last game. He's the alpha there. Robbie and Terrace are fighting for the second role with both having a 13% target share on the year. None of, neither of them are really even coming close to touching DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. So if you can still get DJ Moore cheap because people sour on a player after he doesn't score 10 touchdowns, then you should definitely try to do it because he's still a really good player. He's an alpha wide receiver whose only reason for being fit is not scoring touchdowns, which is no reason to fade a player. Exactly. And we, uh, we're we also, speaking of their wide receivers, we're seeing uh, Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall keep pace with each other in terms of targets, which is actually a really good thing for Terrace Marshall. Yep, definitely. We're going to move on to the Cincinnati Bengals game. Burrow's throwing well. He had a, he has, his completion percentage overexpected. is 12th in the league right now. Volume should come soon. It was a lot lower in week one. I suspect they sh- they're trying to like integrate him slowly back into the offense, but the volume will come soon. And then when you pair the volume with him throwing well, with him having two terrific wide receivers in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, it leads to absolutely amazing production. And right now, T. Higgins is playing out of his mind. He has a had a 35% target share on Sunday, yearly target share at 27%. Chase continues to produce on deep targets. Terrific start to his young career. We knew he was a amazing prospect, amazing alpha wide receiver prospect. And I expect superstardom to come in the next couple of years. Boyd has his moments. He had a 31% target share this last game. That's just sometimes he'll, he'll have some short targets i believe his ADOT was really low this last week and mixon is terrific he's everything you want out of a running back who isn't 
CMC or Saquon Barkley because he's seeing 80. He had 83 percent of snaps, 92 percent of running back opportunities. This guy is going to ball all year. Obviously, you can't count on a weekly floor because you can't count on a weekly floor for any running back who isn't named Christian McCaffrey. But there will be games where he goes off, falls into the end zone, and sees four or five targets, and that's the game where you're going to be glad that you rostered him and drafted him at like RB twelve. Yeah, it feels like this is the game that uh, was your last calling to get T. Higgins in Dynasty. That's not wide receiver one price because after this game, it seems like we're we're very close to it. It's going to cost you a lot to get T. Higgins because he is a Dynasty wide receiver one right now. He's absolutely balling, and like you said, Joe Burrow is a good quarterback, and the volume's going to come, which is only that much better for T. Higgins, who's already eating to start the season. And then he's also eating, like you said, is Joe Mixon. He's he's getting all the re- usage. He's getting all the usage, rushing and receiving. And for an offense that we're ready to see the volume come up a little bit more like we're expecting it to, all these Cincinnati options are pretty great. Um, as far as the Bears, uh, by Tariq Cohen, was uh, it's another hurt player I'm bringing up, but we're seeing Damian Williams in the past game eat up a 10-plus percent target share which isn't something that he, he's really done in his career, but someone who has is Tariq Cohen. And he's he's put up two 17-plus percent target shares in his first three years. So I think that's the role that they're ready to put Cohen in, which isn't great for Montgomery, who's a Josh Jacobs-type player. But, yeah, Tariq Cohen's free. He's going to catch a lot of passes. And probably for the 80th time this show, we're just going to talk about how running backs that catch passes are good running backs. Yeah, I'd be a little bit hesitant on Tariq Cohen if he wasn't absolutely dirt cheap and free because he's taking a bit longer to recover from this injury. He's still on pop, so he'll be out. He was put on uh, pop start the year, so he'll be out till week seven, I believe. So it's it's concerning because these things, because if you take longer to come back, it probably means that your his play could easily be impacted, might not be as dynamic, which is kind of his calling card as a scat back but he's he's literally free in in dynasty and if you need really cheap production for really cheap prices then he's a scat back that you could be looking into yeah and then uh that's that's pretty much all i got on this bears game um yeah alan robinson a little slow start to the season a couple media games caught a touchdown save his day this week but He'll be fine. He'll bounce back. He's an alpha wide receiver who's commanded a high target share throughout his entire career. So he'll definitely be looking for him to bounce back. They'll buy, la- buy low angle if you could because people panic sometimes, but smart people won't panic. Like if you're listening to this show and you know that he's an alpha who will continuously eat. Monty still seeing 80% of the running back opportunities. Took back some of the receiving role from Damian Williams, so that's good. Yeah, I believe he out-targeted him in this game after Damian Williams saw a bunch of dump-offs the week before, but now we see this offense with Justin Fields starting this week. Andy Dalton's week-to-week with a bone bruise. He avoided ACL and MCL damage, so that's good for Dalton. And I guess bad if you want Justin Fields to start for the whole year because Matt Nagy said that when Dalton is healthy, he'll be a starter again. But that could easily be Coach Beak. Yeah, we're just going to see if he uh, takes it this weekend and we never see Dalton again. Yeah, that's, that's the hope, really. I mean, then moving on to the, the Houston Texans game, cheap Konami code QB Tyrod Taylor left halfway through the game with a hamstring injury. He was playing very well before that, but... 
Davis Mills did absolutely horribly in the in relief of Tyrod Taylor for this for this show. I've been using 32 minimum plays for the completion percentage over expected for the and for all the other QB advanced metrics. But if I lower it to 20, we get Davis Mills at dead last with a negative 17 completion percentage over expected, which is absolutely horrible. And I wouldn't expect anything out of this offense except from Brandon Cooks, who was eating all the targets. Had an insane 50% target share last week. He'll continue to dominate. And even if Mills can't hit the broad side of a barn, Cooks will get repeated volume to the point where, where he'll just produce no matter what. Because like he's produced throughout his entire career. And then, then this running back situation. These running backs are an absolute mess. David Johnson played the most snaps, but he only had he had 42% snaps, but only 27% opportunities. Ingram Ingram had 31% of snaps, but he had 53% of the opportunities. And then Philip Lindsay caught a screen on a touchdown, save his day, only played 23% of snaps, had uh, 20% of the opportunities. I think he's definitely the odd man out there. Mark Ingram rushing, David Johnson a little pass catching, but it's just a mess. And if you scooped up one of these running backs for cheap, expecting one to emerge, Maybe it takes an injury for one of them to emerge, but it's wait. It's worth waiting and holding because you, you're getting these guys for free. Yeah, uh, Brandon Cooks is really good at football and the only good wide receiver that's good at football on this team, which is why he's going to see a high percentage of the targets, just like week two. I think he saw over 35%. So he's when you're the only good option and you're also good you're going to get peppered with a lot of volume which is what we can expect from Brandon Cooks essentially for the rest of the year and then looking at the Cleveland side of this one thing that stood out is Nick Chubb I was just on dynasty uh rankings from keep trade cut and he's up to RB5 right now which we know he doesn't catch a lot of passes so the upside's limited there and then you look at his TD rate and it's 11.5% so you can expect some regression there so Nick Chubb, really good at real-life football. Upside captain fantasy football, probably want to sell. Yeah, at the top five prices, you can definitely sell. I ran a poll the um, other day on Twitter uh, saying who would you rather have in Dynasty PPR, uh, Chubb or Saquon, and Saquon won, but it's the exact opposite on keep trade cut. So if you can make that move, then do it trade nick chubb for saquon barkley and dynasty but it's not a slam dunk don't be overly surprised if you get the door slammed on your face because a lot of people out there aren't panicking on saquon barkley so but he's still worth a buy i managed to turn everything into a saquon barkley buy low argument these days but that's a story for another day baker mayfield is playing really really well right now he's in contention for one of the better qbs in reality football with the highest completion percentage over expected in the NFL, but he's not usable for fantasy quite yet just because of the volume. Jarvis Landry being out on IR doesn't help for passing, but OBJ should be back, should be the return to being the alpha in this offense. And if he's 100%, should be a solid wide receiver two at worst going forward even with the low volume because he's going to eat up so many targets, especially with Jarvis out now. And then these uh, other wide receivers, I'm really not expecting a lot out of them. Schwartz and DPJ only had one target each, and they're just they're just bad. Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and Harrison Bride each individually out-targeted any wide receiver, which is interesting. Uh, it's definitely worth looking into the cheap prices of David Njoku, who's played well throughout this 
throughout the first two weeks of the season, but he and he is a free agent, I believe, after this year. Now we're going to the Minnesota Vikings game. Dalvin Cook had a little ankle sprain, but it's not a high ankle sprain, I believe. He should be fine. We'll wait and see, but he should be fine. A little interesting tidbit is that the Vikings cut Amir Abdullah this week and then brought him back on their practice squad. And it's a really minor move, but it tells me why would you cut your third running back if you expect Dalvin Cook in this time? So that's that's definitely something interesting. Dalvin Cook should be fine. Justin Jefferson had another terrific game, 31% target share in this, further cementing himself every day as my dynasty wide receiver one after that elite rookie season. Thielen's still a good wide receiver two in redraft with it. He had a 22% target share. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder, are we buying KJ Osborne long-term? I'm really not because he's such a low ceiling kind of guy as the third option here but i'm not sure what your take on it yeah uh kj osborne i guess just monetary someone that where i could pick him up on waivers for pretty reasonable percent of my fab but i did and there's not many wide receivers i'm gonna grab so i'm gonna grab the one that uh, might might actually be some because what we've seen from two weeks isn't bad 19 percent target share um or something yeah and we don't have any he did a lot of punt returns last year we didn't actually really see him do any receiving work so it's kind of the first time we're actually seeing him in the nfl uh being a receiving option so he was getting it, some it was worth flyer yeah it was getting some campus and then i cut him off my 32 team uh dynasty league that i i, st- I had him as a stash and i cut him for a kicker because uh from michael badgley and then badgley got cut the week after and then kj osborne broke out after i cut him so that's that's it's horrible to watch uh to to watch him now because it's a reminder of what could have been a very good free stash in a 32 team dynasty league but going on now to Kirk Cousins. but but we also know that Akash doesn't win every single trade that he makes in dynasty it's only around 95% now I know I know it's very sad but somehow I will recover I'm making moves every day and sadly my hit rate has declined to about 95% because some of these IU trades are really coming back to buy me, but I'm still out here, never missing. So that's good. I, I really haven't missed yet. It's really too close to say for IU. So I, I can say I haven't missed yet, but if you want to count it as a technicality, maybe I've missed a couple times. But Kirk Cousins, he remains a fine QB stream week to week. One of the things you don't want in your QB stream is for to play a bad quarterback because there's a chance he just goes out and throws three interceptions and sucks. But Kirk Cousins is fine. He's about middle of the pack in a lot of these advanced metrics like EPA, completion percentage over expected. But he's throwing really short. He's 28th in average uh, air yards per attempt. So it's it's fine. You'll, you'll get some games where his really good receivers carry him and he gets a few passing touchdowns. But that's really what you can expect from a QB stream. Yeah, and this was also on the opposite side of the ball. This is where we saw Rondell Moore have the rookie game of his uh, season. So um, I saw quite a few trades just around the internet of Rondell going for high prices. I saw one where he went for a 2023 first and a 2023 second, which is definitely something I'll sell Rondell for. He, He was a good prospect. Um, still capped upside, but from what we know about every single good beta prospect, their rookie season, they're capped at like a, a good season would be a wide receiver three, wide receiver four season. So for what people think after these first couple of weeks, Rondell is going to be, they probably need to, as good as he actually is, we should probably tone down a little bit. Yeah, I'd put him um, 
in a couple leagues. Yeah, and another another uh, interesting piece from the Cardinals is that it kind of looks like Edmonds. We already knew he's a scat back, and so you get the receiving issues, but he's taking yeah. a lot more than just that start. So I've, I've been slowly moving Edmonds up my running back ranks, and me too. So it's, it's tough because I got a lot of James Conner because I expected Edmonds to just stay as a scat back, but he had the this last week. He had the majority of snaps, RB snaps. He had the majority of carries, and obviously his targets. I don't think Connor has seen. I know he hasn't seen a target all season, which is absolutely horrible because I'm starting as my running back two in Scott Fishball, which tells you why I added Jock Patrick. But Connor's looking worse and worse by the day. He hasn't even seen a goal line attempt yet because they're just passing so much in the red zone. But it's tough. I expect DeAndre Hopkins has had touchdowns in multiple weeks, so his fantasy value hasn't taken any of a hit. But if you're worried about the targets, don't be. He'll go back to being the alpha again because he's DeAndre Hopkins, and he's up there with Devontae Adams as the best target commanders in the entire league. Yeah, for reference, he's got a, a lower target share than Rondell Moore and the same target share as A.J. Green. So we're yeah. likely to see DeAndre Hopkins go nuclear here soon. Yeah, yeah. His name, his nickname is literally Nuke, and he will go nuclear soon because this offense is going crazy. And this is such, this is such a good offense. If I had to pick a running, if I had to pick a QB wide receiver duo to finish both first at their position, I would not pick Mahomes and Tyreek. I would pick Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Love it. Yeah. Going on to the Falcons game. It is it's a pretty pretty bad game for for the Falcons. They're Absolutely horrible on offense as a Falcons fan. That's me just seeing what I said, what I saw in the game. But Ryan had 300 yards, 76% completion rate, but that's mostly because he had an average air yards per attempt of 3.7, which is absolutely laughable and makes Mac Jones look like a complete gunslinger. Patterson had a big week, but I hope you didn't blow all your fab on him because he only had about 40% of the running back opportunities. Good, good target share though, which is something you want, but. It's, it's probably a split for them. So if you're in like a shallow redraft league, I wouldn't expect much for Patterson on a week-to-week basis. Just have some good spike weeks where he has a good amount of targets. And then Calpis usage, it's it's terrific. He's um, only blocking on like 5% of snaps. He's in the slot or outside on 82% of his snaps. And he's basically being used as a wide receiver. And he's everything we wanted Mike Siki to be for years. But if Mike Kosicki was actually good at football. So I'm really encouraged from what I see from Kyle Pitts. And even though his dynasty value is already really, really high, it's something that I don't think it goes down just because of the things we're seeing from him at such an early stage of a rookie tight end's career. Yeah, um, Kyle Pitts has actually looked really good, um, just to one-up you there. But the the scary part for this offense, speaking way more in dynasty terms, and this is something that I've uh, – I've talked to Akash about is Calvin Ridley. This this is the year to probably sell Calvin Ridley. He's he's good, but being that top ten wide receiver as basically the alpha of an offense that didn't have one uh, after Julio left and was out for a lot of the games last year, and now we see what Kyle Pitts is doing already. We know he's such a prolific prospect. It probably sooner rather than later when Pitts becomes the true alpha, which Calvin Ridley will still be really good, but for the price that you can sell him at this season, I I mean, the Ridley shares I have, I'm probably just going to slowly get off them this uh, year and just maximize my ROI. It's and so then, cool, but I've begun to accept the same thing myself. 
mostly because of you, Ian. <laughs> and we don't know what uh, what the situation for quarterback looks like Atlanta too far down the road, to be quite honest. So there's also that. And then uh, looking at the Tampa Bay offense, it's I mean it's just like we predicted, right? It's a lot of good receiving options on a good passing offense where you're going to see boom weeks from one or two guys, and it's a lot likely to rotate or be more random because we're seeing such yeah. good – like we saw Mike Evans go like 12% target share, and then he blows up last week. We saw Chris Godwin blow up week one. That doesn't mean they're not good, but there's just so many mouths to feed. So mm-hmm. If I had to pick one odd man out, I would pick Antonio Brown because the other three are alphas, and Antonio yes. Brown, really, obviously, he's the best beta to ever – play wide receiver but he is still a beta wide receiver and Gronk Evans and Godwin are still very good and it's unfortunate because just logically one of these really good players who you might be relying on that week is going to be the fourth option on his team and that oftentimes doesn't yield itself to to, uh, fantasy success but it's kind of thing that you can't worry about week to week because they'll have these boom weeks in terrific passing offenses that really win you weeks you know, like a 25-point game from Evans last week after a bad week one. It's the kind of thing that I was expecting coming into the year. And so it's really it's something that you can't worry about on a week-to-week basis. You just got to start them because they have that ability to go off at any, any time. All right, so we're moving on to running backs in Tampa Bay. You can probably drop Gio Bernard. You know, if you were hoping it, I was taking him a couple of places. They're like, oh, maybe he steps into the James White role. Probably not going to happen. He's not even the running back one in target share right now. He's pretty much only playing in two-minute drills. But right now, it's still Lenny being better than Rojo, unfortunately, because I have a lot of Rojo. But Lenny, he's the better pass catcher of the two, and he's seeing more of the rushing attempts right now. So it might be a crowded backfield occasionally, but Lenny's probably the one you want because he has better opportunity from the receiving work he gets. And... Rojo's been pretty bad these last couple weeks. And you can still trade Ronald Jones for Leonard Fournette pretty much straight up. And these first couple weeks are telling of pretty much what we think is going to happen the rest of the way. Rojo's probably going to do a little better, at least from the rushing standpoint. But we've seen and we know that Leonard Fournette can still catch passes. So Leonard Fournette's the one. I I, I wouldn't even say you got to sell Ronald Jones for Fournette because Fournette's really, really cheap. His price could go up as he continues to see good usage, but I think they both could be dynasty buys just because Ronald Jones is a free agent after this year. And teams teams know that he's a good player. He was, he was good last year just in terms of rushing. And this running back free agency class is so bad that I could easily see him getting paid pretty well somewhere else to be a lead back and hopefully get out of... Bruce Arians, uh, get out from under Bruce Arians, who's kind of capping what he can be. That That's a good point right there. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans game. Um, one of the reasons to like Ryan Tannehill going into last year, 2020, was because everyone just assumed he, that he was going to regress and dropped him to the range where he was practically free in one QB redraft leagues. And then this year, it's not so much. People looked at the top 10 finish last year and said, okay, He's a top 10 QB now. Let's draft him there. And if you draft him there, you're probably pretty disappointed disappointed with what you have so far because he's not seeing a lot of touchdowns. There's been some unluckiness with that. He has some drops with A.J. Brown and then the Julio touchdown that got called back. But 
He's he's also not playing amazingly. He's twenty seventh right now, completion percentage over expected. So it's it hope probably bounce back because he'll he's been pretty good. He's been one of the best QBs in that stat over the last couple of years. But right now, I, I'm not liking what I see from Ryan Tannehill. The floor is not that hot high because it's such a low volume offense and you're really re- relying on that efficiency Julio had a good day with eight targets but aj brown for the second week week in a row out targeted him definitely you'll have weeks from one weeks from the other maybe sometimes both weeks if the passing offense can really get going but it's uh don't panic on aj brown just because he's not scoring fantasy points right now he will bounce back because he's seeing the targets you really just got to chase the volume on this one yeah, if there's one thing that I can say, I'll just continue to be wrong about. It's Derrick Henry. Um, you literally can't expect regression because if you expect it, he'll just do it to spite you. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing is he's sitting at a 13.3% target share through two weeks, which is also probably the last thing we could have expected from Derrick Henry. So will it hold? No, because his entire career we know that's – pretty much the exact opposite of who he is. I mean, if you have Derrick and Henry, if you have Derrick Henry in Dynasty, you're just you're riding it out. I there's not really much reason to sell because if you have him, you bought him to ride him out and win a win a championship. So as as good as he was, there's probably not a ton to take away from it because you just have Derrick Henry and he'll keep probably having games like this throughout the year. Um and then from the rest for Henry if I can add a little bit. It's um really just part of the receiving issues that he's had over the last couple of weeks was the fact that he has 10 targets on the year. Jeremy McNichols has seven targets on the year, could total 17 targets for the running, for those two running backs. 11 of them have come like pretty much in the, like when they're losing in the fourth quarter, when they want to pass a lot more. So he's kind of getting shoved into a little like scat back role pretty much. I guess that's what they wanted Darrington Evans to be. But he's being forced into this role right now, being fed a few targets here and there, which definitely helps him week to week. But it probably goes back to being somewhere in between him not catching anything and him seeing having a 13% target share probably goes right probably in the middle of that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Maybe even a little on the underside just because we have we have no reason to believe King Henry's even going to put up an 8% target share. So, yeah. um, And then the Seattle side on this uh, uh, part of the game, I mean, DK Metcalf, is he doesn't look like he's produced as much as he had, but he's sitting at a 30% target share, the same as uh, yeah. Tyler Lockett. And it still I feels think- like he's ascending on a pass volume offense that we're likely to see is pretty pretty healthy. This we might see DK also have he he's up there for a wide receiver one overall season. Potentially um, the yards are there as well as a good target share. It's extremely concentrated offense. Last week they both have thirty five percent target share. On the year, they both have 30, so that's really great to see. really helps out for fantasy. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Tyler Lockett's still good. And there's there's a chance that they were both good values where they were. Um, they're both they're both getting a ton of air yards. Russ throwing deep a ton. That's why I love Tyler Lockett at his really low ADP relative to what I expected from him. He has a huge weekly ceiling, and people hate that because they don't want their players to be inconsistent. But... We just saw him go off back-to-back weeks because he can connect on a couple uh, valuable targets from Russell Wilson and just completely help you win your week. This is the kind of thing that I love for wide receivers. Metcalf will explode down the line because he's seeing the targets, just not connecting on some. Same thing as his 
Ole Miss brother, AJ Brown, just got to connect on a few more targets and he will explode the way you expected him to. Russ is hyper efficient, but they're not have their overall volume isn't great just because their efficiency has been ending drives very quickly. They're not running a lot of plays and they're, they're pretty middle of the pack in pace of play, which I looked up because I was interested to see how fast they're actually playing. So expect them to play faster and have a lot uh, better overall volume. Carson is mostly a workhorse, especially without Rashad Penny there, but he's still in a running back too. Has Rashad Penny ever been there? No, I don't think mentally, definitely not. Physically, occasionally he's been there, but mentally he's never been there for his entire career. But he is hurt right now. Yeah, just like his entire career, he's been yeah. hurt. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then this uh, this Dallas Chargers game, um, it's another super concentrated passing offense. We're seeing CD and Cooper just take a healthy chunk of that target share. I think CD's sitting around 25%. Um, Okay, and then Cooper's just a little bit higher, like 26 or 27%. Um, mm-hmm. I might have been a little too low on CD going in, but if this offense continues to be as concentrated as it is, and we already knew that CD Lamb was good, yeah. then this Cooper and CD are about to explode. The yep. Zeke Pollard situation, I mean, we like Ezekiel Elliott because he's been getting the volume. We saw him split in week two, which is kind of, Maybe I mean. it just happens one off, but. From an, like, an efficiency perspective over the last couple of years and like advanced metrics, Pollard has been the better running back. So if Jerry Jones isn't going to take Locke basically into proving the contract that he gave Zeke was good, we could see more of a split. Yeah, which is exactly what we wouldn't want from Ezekiel, who we already know hasn't been too efficient with. Just imagine what he is on even less volume than he has now. So <laughs> there is there is some Ezekiel Elliott panic for sure. Yeah, and then the tight ends, interesting because I, re- I like Jarwin over the summer. Jarwin, I, I like him more right now because he's working more down the field. He has a higher ADOT, which lends itself to... Uh, better fantasy football usage because he only needs he needs less plays to be fine at tight end but he's also lining up in the slot and out wide more than Dalton Schultz is which is good because Dalton Schultz is more of a blocker and so I think Jarwin's the uh, I guess guy to own there which wouldn't sound very appealing at first but Gallup's already hurt and Amari left the game early so there is potential for for Blake Jarwin in an offense that had Dalton Schultz be semi-usable for fantasy last year. So there's uh, there's a little something there for Blake Jarwin. You can, he's probably on your redraft waivers right now. Uh, you're probably right about that. Although I do have him um, stashed away in a couple leagues, so don't hate it. And then looking at the Chargers side, we saw Eckler get back to the usage in the passing game that we expect him to be at. He wasn't at his zero targets that he was in week one. So we're, we're, uh, we're back to liking Eckler like we should have been the whole time. Yeah, um, I, there, there really was no reason to panic. I saw someone on Twitter. I wish I remember who it was because it was such a great point that really stuck with me that he missed the Wednesday and Thursday practices. And that's the times where they really implement a lot of these passing plays that they're going to do for over the over the course of the game. And so missing that probably hurt his passing usage just for that one game. And then he bounces back to being a complete target hog relative to uh, other running backs this week. To being Austin Eckler. Right, which is what we love to see because he's one of the few running backs who has a terrific weekly floor 
which is not something you can say for a lot of running backs. Exactly right. And then speaking of target hogs, are we seeing Mike Williams, the target hog, outproducing Keenan Allen so far? It's uh, it's definitely not something I expect to hold, but um, I think I was actually talking to you about it, Akash, as we were talking about the fifth-year breakout possibly being a real thing with Mike Williams here. So yeah. he, he wasn't someone I, I liked at all coming into the year, someone who doesn't even touch 18%. And right now he's sitting at 25 point something percent target share. So we're going to see some regression with it. Keenan Allen's going to take over here soon. But yeah, Mike Williams is still looking looking pretty solid this year. Yeah, one of the things for Williams, he's always had a good uh, whopper weighted opportunity uh, rating because he's working down the field more. That really adjusts for air yards, because if you're working down the field more, it's harder to earn a target because you're working down the field more. So he's always had good air yards, and that's let it... Uh, so his ADOT's been going down this year. It's only at 9.3 right now. Yeah, and we've, we've seen him at that 12-plus ADOT where we're kind of like, is he a one-trick pony? But exactly. that's, that's definitely good for him. We're seeing a new, new role Mike Williams, which is uh, way better for fantasy. Definitely. And then Justin Herbert, I believe he's had a couple pretty meh games for fantasy, but he has a couple deflected plays turned into interceptions, a couple touchdowns called back on holding. Right now he's 11th in completion percentage over expected, which is good because he's good in reality and then add on the volume and a little bit better to luck and he'll, he'll, his fantasy fortunes will turn around very quickly. He can have a big game any day now. Most definitely. And then going on to the nightcap, which was a really good game. We're looking at Kansas City and Baltimore. There's the biggest takeaway I could say, at least from what I've seen, is that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not good at football, which is probably true. But the thing is, we're looking at a guy who doesn't have anyone really behind him. He was first-round pick. Exactly. And last year we saw him get 10% of the target share while eating up 50% of the rushing work. This yeah. year, he's eating up even more rushing work, and we're just not seeing him in the past game. He has a 4.6% target share, which for a guy who's at 10% his rookie year, and there's no no one behind him or a person to where we should be like, okay, well, maybe he won't get that and he's due for aggression, but mm-hmm. we, we don't have a, a reason to believe that because there is no one there. So yeah. CEH, if he's going for pennies on the dollar grab him but if you have him do not panic sell Clyde Edwards hilarious a second year guy who who's gonna get that passing volume back it's gonna work its way back up definitely agree like he'll, he'll have a good game soon I've been seeing on Twitter so many people just panicking and panic selling him because once you're really high on a guy it, it, it's kind of strange like some philosophy I'll bring into this once everyone's really high on a guy and he falls a little bit once he falls even more people just panic they overreact to it and they drop him down way more than they should. We saw that with DJ Moore after he didn't turn into a top five wide receiver with some touchdown aggression. The, people just dropped him down to being wide receiver 24 in redraft when they shouldn't have, really. But it's a little overreaction for, uh, for people on Clyde Ouzelaire. If you can take advantage of him and, like you said, Ian, get him on pennies for the dollar, definitely something you could try to take advantage of. Yeah, and then the other parts of this game, it's still a super concentrated pass offense with Tyreek Hill. And- we know Mahomes is elite and Kelsey's elite and Hill's elite. Hill got bottled up for this for, for this game, but yeah, that's just some good coverage. Definitely not something I expect to continue. 
if you want to if you want to look at what you think Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kills uh, outlook for the season will be, just look at 2020. There's there's no reason to expect yeah. it's going to change. It's still a generational offense. I have to I, I have to say this because it's in my show uh, sheet, but Miko Hardman had like a 23 percent target share last week. And he had good air yards, but I'm 99% sure that's just because Tyreek Hill was bottled up and they say, what the heck, let's just force the worst version of him into kind of what his role is and just throw to Miko Hardman a bit. And then didn't connect on anything because partly because Miko Hardman is not a very good football player, but it's just an interesting note. Yeah, we were talking about overreactions and how you shouldn't do it. So then Akash just teases everyone by talking about McCole Hardman having a game where he has a 20% target share. So yeah. he's just over there teasing everyone. Um, I have to do it. If you, <laughs> we're like at the... We're, we're past an hour now, so if you're still sticking around, this is where we start to get into the good stuff. Start to crack a little jokes. And then on the Ravens side, Lamar continues to be good at throwing and running, despite what uh, 12-year-olds on Twitter tell me. Tyson Williams had 55% of the opportunities, and Latavius Murray around 33%. Uh, Freeman, Devonta Freeman, and near zero. So it's a similar uh, division to what we saw J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards be at the end of uh, last year. And if Tyson Williams is the J.K. Dobbins, the worst version of J.K. Dobbins, you could see some some good fantasy production. Le'Veon Bell was not called up, and Devonta Freeman remains a zero. And Latavius Murray remains pretty jaggish. So even though I'm a big sell these guys when they pop due to opportunity, Tyson Williams is a guy who should continue to get opportunity. Yeah, and uh, he has a 10-plus percent target share, which is not something that you ever see out of these Baltimore running backs. So I don't think it's something that's going to hold it. It likely won't. But Tyson Williams is still eating the opportunities. And, I mean, I'm, I'm fine rostering him. If Those are still the guys I'm looking to trade for a second, but also I don't feel bad about having on my roster because from the first two weeks, it looks like that's something that could be – put into your lineup and actually used and we're not just looking at a one week running back you know we could be looking at multiple weeks maybe even season long just depending because we know it's such good rushing offense he's eating a good percent of the shares and if he keeps doing something in the receiving game that's most definitely worth a second round pick to your contending team if you're still holding and if he continues to see these opportunities and because of the system he's in, he continues to be efficient and he's sort of like a J.K. Dobbins light. I feel like you can continue to hold and sell for maybe you maybe tr- throw on a little something extra. You sell for a first to a contender who needs a running back because you're, they'll, he'll be getting good production. And after the trade deadline, his uh, value will only continue to decline because people will get less usable weeks out of him before Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins return. So right around the trade deadline, probably where his value is going to be highest if he continues to maintain these opportunities. Yeah, I know I talk about selling these types of running backs for a second all the time, which is something that I do. But like you said, if you're holding on to him and he keeps being this efficient, this is one of those things where if you get any chance to sell a running back like this for a first-round pick, even if you're adding something on, smash. Smash accept. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely agree there. And then, uh, what else was going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. For running backs, when they fall into volume, it's a lot easier to maintain than when wide receivers fall into volume, like Marquez Calloway, because targets are earned for the large part. And then running back carries are mostly given because it's just handing it off to the running back. So, something to note 
that even if you don't think he's a very good player, his opportunities could be more stable than they were for a guy like Marquez Callaway. Exactly. And then looking at the the Monday night game, the final piece here, we've got Detroit versus Green Bay, which to me, this one, this one looked like exactly what we thought the Green Bay offense would look like. Aaron Rodgers had a lot of TDs. He was good efficiency metrics wise. Um, Aaron Jones, he scored a ton of touchdowns and in the receiving game, he was still Aaron Jones. Uh, and then we saw Devontae bounce back and be the target hog, Devontae Adams. Yeah. So from the Green Bay side, we just saw the 2019 or the 2020 Green Bay Packers play out last I, night. I have those exact words written on my sheet that Devontae Adams had a good bounce back and is a target hog. That just shows how in tune we are. But Rodgers played out of his mind, really. He had a 15% completion, 15% completion percentage over expected, 81% completion percentage wait so if you were seeing rumors on twitter that he's purposely throwing games and playing poorly i can tell you that he's a hundred percent not true and i think he can be trusted as probably a mid to low qb1 going forward obviously there's no konami code to help him out but he's still passing very well he's still being very efficient and something for something to know for aaron jones is AJ Dillon, as much as people wanted to manifest him becoming Jamal Williams-esque uh, flex play, he's not stepping into that. Uh, Dillon's not stepping into that at all. And Aaron Jones is dominating RB attempts the way he, that he never really did when Jamal Williams was there. So that's definitely something that raises the ceiling for Aaron Jones, who we already know is a good running back and a great receiving back. So if he can, can command more of the ops, opportunities then that's something that you could see him really step into elite conversation yeah like you said there aaron jones took over most of the workload that jamal williams left instead of aj Dillon taking over what people thought that jamal williams's role was yeah. so and then looking at detroit deandre swift is still really really good and if someone doesn't think that he's a top five running back then that's probably a sign that you should go get him because it's not going to be long before it's it's consensus that he's a top five yeah. uh, mean, running back option so the guy who's the rb5 on keep J cut right now 25 year old nick chubb if you can sell him for deandre swift Plus, who's 22 years old right now, I believe, or maybe still 21, probably 22 right now. That is something that you absolutely need to take because that is a deal where you get a running back who's seeing more weighted opportunities per game and the running back who's going to have a longer career. And I'd argue that I'd just do it straight up. I, I, got... I could argue that too. Yeah. And then if you're getting a good plus on that, that is something that you absolutely need to try. I cannot try it, unfortunately, because I don't have any – Nick Chubb and Dynasty, but you can try it. You definitely should. Definitely. And then I'll add one more piece this game minus, well, I can just quick cover. I guess that TJ Hawkinson was pretty good. He's getting eight targets and he scored a touchdown. So a good TJ Hawkinson game, but. Hawkinson uh, is playing terrifically right now. He has like a 26% yeah. target share, like you said. And then he has the second most routes in the NFL, not just among tight ends. He has the second most routes in the NFL because the volume's so good. They're pretty low in neutral pass frequency, but they're losing so much that they're being consistently forced into passing situations, which only helps guys like Swift and Hawk. So there's opportunity there for days for them both to succeed. Yeah, and then one little piece I'll add is I'm, I'm slowly, slowly getting a little more... Uh, 
believed in um, Quintez Cephas. I've started <laughs> trying to add him on throw-ins that I'm acquiring. Yeah, I, I did his Rue recently, which I don't know why I hadn't. His range of outcomes, and I saw guys like Brandon Marshall and Jacoby Myers. Now, obviously, there wasn't good other options, and those were guys yeah. that struggled their first year to be much, but mm-hmm. he, he sat at a 7% target share last year and was yeah. decent. And then this year we're seeing him at a 15 plus right now to start the season. So that trajectory is usually something I'll, I'll buy, especially in throw-ins. Yeah. Last week he had a 20, 20% target share. And so him taking over the wide receiver one role with Tyrell Williams out, Tyrell Williams left the game halfway through the halfway through week one. And so Cephas didn't really get to uh, produce much. He had some, he had some good plays at the end of the game, but he had the most, uh, snaps out of all of these wide receivers and he had the highest target share and so out of the wide receivers if you're going to pick one dart throw it would be probably Quintez Cephas and if you drafted Amon Ra in the second round of your rookie draft because he was going to step into so many vacated targets uh, I don't know, what you, you probably can't sell now so I guess just learn for the future not to prep up guys for vacated targets Yeah, or don't put him over Jamar Chase in your rookie rankings <laughs> You know, we can't call out people on this show right now. And now one more thing I'll add. I was talking about, you know, I was talking about Kirk Cousins earlier, about how he's fine in reality. And then he's like, he has some good games for fantasy. I would say the exact opposite for Jerry Goff, who's throwing a lot, but he's pretty bad in real life. He's out of uh, 33 QBs who have 32 plus plays. He's 23rd in completion percentage overexpected 25th in air yards per attempt and 28th in expected points added per dropback. So he's playing really poorly in real life. So if you're looking for a QB stream, you probably shouldn't do Jared Goff. Like every week, if you're considering Jared Goff, maybe consider someone else because he can have a game where he plays absolutely horribly and loses you the week. And I think that wraps up about every single game for the week. We went a little bit over on time, but this is the first recap show. We hope you enjoyed R Squared Fantasy Football. Definitely go down. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe down below. If you're listening on a podcasting site or app, go go download other episodes or I guess subscribe. I'm not really sure how podcasting apps 100% work, but come back every week because we have this kind of stuff all the week, uh, every week to help you win your fantasy football leagues because this is the stuff that most people... They, they just don't pay attention to. So if you can stand listening to our voices for an hour, hour and a half, once a week, you can become better at fantasy football. And he said it exactly right. So, and you can also start by following us on Twitter. Um, I'm uh, dynasty underscore I am. And I'm uh, YZR underscore fantasy. Always putting out good content. Ian is, so am I. And that's uh, about wraps it up. <laughs> have a good one. Yeah, have a great, have a great day, night, wherever you're listening to this. Goodbye.